0: it's funny you and I obviously come from very different background stories but uh what you were just talking about you know those those negative rabbit holes you find on media and 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 how they can lead to, to to worse things in your life and then compound that with the isolation um you know it's for for myself um the hardest thing about my recovery i I spent the better part of three years hiding in a basement because I was too sick to, to leave it. And, you know, the hardest thing about my recovery wasn't the fact that there was a nice, wonderful world waiting for me. There was still all the bad things that were there in the first place. I had to learn to actually actively do exactly what you're talking about, bring those positive focuses into my life and move my life towards more positive, uh, more positive people, more positive um, just wellness tools so that i can build up that resilience to get well and get better in in your experience you know you've got a wealth of experience in in, in hotels and, and and traveling north america and obviously 2020 has been um a really difficult year on that score because yeah all of us are, are a little bit more isolated than we have been and we can all very easily fall down those rabbit holes um how big of an impact has it had? I'm not I won't ask you for any names in, in specific, but just in what you've seen in the league this year. Uh how many people are going down those rabbit holes as opposed to in a normal year? You know, in terms of maybe upping the, you know, upping the substances, upping the isolation, uh, harder nerves. has it been harder in that score this year in 2020?
1: Yeah, I mean I had about six weeks of experience with, you know, the Marlins alternate training site and I think on top of all that, just speaking specifically for the baseball players that are in that alternate training site, Mm because I did not experience uh, playing in the major leagues for Mm -hmm. more than one game in Baltimore with no fans. But there's a lot of of factors in this, starting with when everything shut down and when everything was supposed to start back up and what we were supposed to do to stay ready and stay in shape uh, when it seemed like a deal was never going to come. And I was an incredibly optimistic person that all of this would have been um, figured out, solved, and we would have been back to a normal life, uh, at least playing baseball before we started and had some clarity. And for a number of reasons, that took a lot longer than I think us players had hoped. Um, with that being said, you, you kind of enter an area where I find uh, is usually the most difficult for me is when you're stuck in between when it's like you you know you want to keep working out, you know you want to keep going to the cage, and, and we're facing live pitching, major league, minor league pitching, um, and just trying to rally with a group of guys to stay motivated and stay focused. But you go through that for a better part of two or three months, and then you know they start up the summer camps. And for me, it was like I didn't get invited to summer camps. So at that point, I'm like – there's a good chance I'm not getting a job. And then you get down to the alternate training site, and I'll start with this. I'm so grateful for the staff and players that I uh, interacted with down with the Miami Marlins. Um, A few familiar faces, but for the most part, all new people. Uh, and, And we were all in a situation that nobody had experienced before. I had experienced something similar with the Players Association free agent camp a few years ago when a bunch of free agents weren't signing and they put this thing together. Uh, and, and like like the Players Association, each organization tried to figure out the best way possible to provide the 30 or so guys that they have at these sites an opportunity to stay in and be ready to help the major league club. With that being said, you have the daily challenges of what we went through um, with, you know, 15 or so guys on the major league team our camp was shut down every other day because they were concerned that maybe somebody had been exposed prior to coming down to that camp. Now, if you think about it, that wipes out the whole organization. if if We all get COVID at that alternate training site. So throwing that on top of um, just that normal, okay, we're going to, it's not normal, but sitting in a hotel room for the better part of our day, showing up to the park um, and getting our work in. And we talk about getting your work in like we're all, Engineered right in midseason form to go out there and compete and play nine innings and have a stat line and have uh, a box score and have a process that you can continue to dive into um, that you're you're trying to progress through the season. And I found it extremely challenging. Uh, and I, I think I can speak for most of the people down there uh, is to find that internal motivation every single day to show up and give it everything you've got when. It's not really clear what you're what you're doing that day, and I think the staff did that uh, down there did as great you know as good a job as they could with the information and what they went through. But it's like what organization and what what baseball executive has any type of experience in dealing with what we're doing with this year? I think I've heard a few people refer to the strike, but other than that, man, like they're they're trying to put together a, a seven inning. Squad game, and we got four coaches or five coaches that are playing defensive positions. Man. And we got five or six or seven guys on each team getting that back. And I got to face some of the best prospects in that organization. I got to face the major leaguers rehabbing. The competition was great, but it's a lot different when you're wearing the same uniform, you're showing up to the park every single day with these people. Um, and you're going out there and competing. I think we, as a group down there did a good job. And I, I tried to be a leader, um, in that clubhouse and I feel good walking away that I, I, I made that place better than when I showed up. But it's like, we had to start just, I, I don't know if we're allowed to swear here, but yeah, just dope. talking trash and yeah, talking <laughs> shit, and chirping each other in the dugout. It's like, Hey, you know, I remember one of the pitchers down there. I, we just started going back and forth in a good, you know, in a good way. But it's like, we had to get a little bit of juice, you know, just mm-hmm. to, to go out there and say this guy, you know, whether it's Sixto Sanchez throwing 96 to hundred, or it's, you know, one of the other guys that they brought in to fill in for depth pieces and stuff like that, or 88, 92, we, we got to see some really quality arms. It's just a different environment. Um, we're all, we're all internally motivated people, but there were a number of challenges I've never experienced in my career that, you know, you got guys that are coming in with their first full season. I, I know one of the players there, I got to spend a lot of time with. He was a first-round pick. Um, This is his first full season, and this is what he's experiencing. And we're having conversations, great conversations about, you know, what to expect if things get back to normal and how kind of the ebbs and flows of 140 or 162 games go. But it's just different, man. It's different the development of the young players. Uh, It's different for the development of the veteran players, the mindset of the veteran guys, um, especially guys, you know, experience this in AAA, A, knee ball, whatever, you're over it. You don't know why you're doing it. Uh, it's worth doing it. You know, there's all those thoughts and beings that we have. So I know these answers have all been very long winded, but it's, They've been it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible to think back that like how this year compares. And I don't think you can really ever compare year to year, but this was by far the, the most different experience I've had.
2: I have a friend uh, and she's a psychotherapist. And one thing she told me that really resonated with me Is She said, we all have the tools to deal, but not many of us know how to use the tools, know where to find the tools. that are inside of us. It's just not that easy for everybody. You have the tools, Travis, and you know how to use them now. Do you remember when you finally discovered how to use the tools that you have to get through these situations? Because as you've gone on in life and gotten older and experienced more, those tools have saved your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They've saved my life, and we've talked about the uh, you know the board of advisors or the or the the network of people that are going to keep you on the straight and narrow, which I've I've had since you know a very young age, starting in anger management and going through uh, with a lot of second moms and second dads, making sure I had what I needed and the opportunities were there for me, and, and I didn't fall too far off the the path that I needed to be on. So. I'm grateful for all that as a a young child growing up. And that was a good foundation for me going into, uh, you know, the baseball side of things. And then you get into the baseball side and the personal side of what we dealt with. Uh, Every single one of us has the tools and every single one has the choice to make, whether we're happy or we're going to be miserable. And it's it's easy, but it is that easy, right? Because nobody is making you be upset. You are allowing somebody else or some circumstance or some, perception or or perspective that you have on the world, that you're allowing that to negatively affect you and and put you in these moods. And that doesn't mean, I I, ask my wife, I'm still a very moody person. I'm I'm somebody who's much more aware though, of when that mood starts to get outside of what I feel is an appropriate way to react to something. And I'm still somebody who can be hot headed. I'm still somebody that can be very irritable and impatient. Um, But I'm much more aware when those things are starting to happen. But going back to the skill set and the tools that you can use, we all have the ability and a lot of us have been exposed to different things that help us uh, or, or are those tools that help get us back on the right track. The mm-hmm. problem is, is we get stubborn, right? And we have this ego and we have this mind that takes control over our decision-making process and now it's like oh you know i don't need to do that today i'm feeling pretty good And i look at the different people that are on social media now the you know david goggins jocko willinks the even joe rogan some of these very very strong personalities that Mm -hmm. i think do a good job of, of kind of pulling the curtain and saying listen you know even the person i think is the craziest person in the world that i've seen goggins when you listen to this guy and what he experienced and what he went through and how he rebuilt himself as a completely different human being. I think it's, you see, I consider him an athlete, obviously, an ultra athlete what he does but you you look um you know even kevin love coming out with the story that i didn't get a chance to read yet but i already know there's going to be some gold in there um you know i know j pierre and cb has talked about this at times yep. uh ricky romero i'm sure has come out and spoke on this too you know there's there's point in times in your career where the ego and the world uh, and everything is at your feet and you think uh you got everything figured out and it doesn't have to be in baseball. It can be in life. It can be in business, whatever. Um, but you start to let that ego take control. And instead of having that discipline of doing the things you don't want to do because you know, they're going to make you better. And I think I, I finished, uh, Jocko Willing's book, discipline equals freedom. And I think that is such a, a strong quote or a strong title Um, to be able to share with people where it's like you ultimately make the choices every single morning. When you wake up, are you going to take the 10 minutes or schedule the 10 minutes out of your day to do your breathing exercises, your meditation, to do your performance journal? Are you going to go for that morning walk, take that moment to reflect on something or someone that you're grateful for in your life and start to build these things into your daily routine. And I'm still guilty of of not being a hundred percent, um, disciplined on these things. But I notice a world of difference when I'm consistent with them and I just suck it up and I get 30 minutes earlier and I, I get the things done that I know are going to help keep me mentally and emotionally aware so that I can go out and make decisions, things and if, if I succeed or at least I know it wasn't a product of a bad decision making, it's just a product of being to learn a better way to do something.
2: Wow. That was, <laughs> that was very impressive. Um, you know, one of the things, the, really the main thing that motivated me about contacting you and getting you back on the show was seeing those pictures of you and your kids and and seeing you, you know, advertising, asking for, uh, you know, kids to play t-ball and such. And listen, I've known you since, you know, you were that 22-year-old kid who, you know, had a chip on his shoulder and, and thought you were, as the, as the old folks say, the bee's knees. And, I mean, we've all been there before but I see you now, and I see you as a father. I see you as a husband, and I see the happiness you have in your life right now. And like you, I mean, I lost my father when I was 20, and he was an alcoholic his whole life, and I never really got a chance to see a lot of the good. But now and I, I think back, and I think, you know what, he's, he's looking down on me and the job that I have did raising my son who's now 20 years old and going to college. And I think that, you're, you know, your mom's looking down on you and just saying, you know what, you went through a lot of hell, son, but look how you've turned out, and look what you're doing. And I know me personally, I take so much more pride in being a good father to my son. Not that my dad wasn't a good father, but my dad had his struggles, making him unable to be the father he needed to be. Is any of this kind of ring kind of similar to you?
1: Yeah, I got, I got two things. One, um, in terms of our parents, right, we look to our parents for guidance. We look to our parents to teach us and being in that role. Um, you know, I had a very deep conversation with my son yesterday and we're talking about a almost 4 year old. So I got to grab him every seven seconds, <laughs> yes. to bring his attention back. But we're, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, how you get along with other kids and how you deal with maybe somebody who doesn't want to play with you or maybe somebody bullies you or, or isn't nice to you or whatever. Uh, and I'm a firm believer that if we if we put pillows up and and make every corner uh, soft and, and never fall down, never get hit in the mouth, never get kicked or punched, um, I, I don't think that is a, in my personal opinion, is the best way, yeah, way to live your life. You have to experience mm-hmm. those. You have to experience those things um, because that's what's going to give you build the armor up one way or another. And you talk about your dad and what you experienced. I experienced with my mom. um, I experienced with my brother-in-law two years ago, almost three years ago, two Mm -hmm. years ago, um, passed away from melanoma. Um, And it kind of touched me when you were talking about this being a father. I'm I'm also an uncle, right? And I I have a four-year-old nephew who will never know the amazing man that his father was and, and all the love and the care and the world that he has. Um, And, and, Soccer, t-ball. You know, we're we're getting the stage of life right where you look over on the sidelines and you see mom and you see grandpa and you see uncle and you see auntie and you don't see daddy. Right? Right. And I think I was the one that had to tell my nephew that his dad was not coming home. And excuse me, I'm choking up as yeah, but um,
2: I am too. You
1: have you have you have a four year old got his entire life ahead of him, Mm -hmm. and the way. I view my role in my family, whether it's with my two sons or it's with my nephew. um, I I look at the man that I am, and I look at the things that I've experienced, uh, the shortcomings and the personality defects that I still struggle with today, and how important it is to become aware of those things and become aware of the tools and the resources and and all the, the things that we talk about to be able to help yourself. Uh, and have those people around you to help you. But when we talk about molding um, and shaping the future of, of America or North America or the world that we live in and all the things that are going on um, socially, racially, uh, all the all the hot topics and, and some of the terrible things that are happening in this world today, and we think about how we can impact the next generation. And I look at these kids and I think, you know what, I want to give them the tools to be able to deal with these kinds of things. But I never want to be the person um, who just tries to give them everything I didn't have, right? And I think that's an important thing for me as somebody who, I didn't grow up in poverty. I got evicted from the house I grew up in. I dealt with a lot of different things, um, um, you know, with with my parents, but I had a damn good childhood. And there's nothing I can go back and say, this was Horribly awful. Now I've experienced some things with my mom and her health, and even her, you know, their addictions. Where yeah, I've seen some shit that a sixteen should never see. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. At twenty one, twenty two, I remember pulling out one of my really good friends who was the high school starting quarterback when I was a freshman, and took me under his wing, pulled him out of a crack house. You know what I mean? Like oh. I've seen a lot of different, different ways that you know, drugs, alcohol, uh, substances. Um, social media, all these different things that can have this negative effect on our on our emotions and the way that we view the world. And kind of tying this back into the four-year-old nephew is we're not always going to have the answers. Uh, we're not always going to have the tools. But like I, I've said before, being a resource for these children, being a resource for um, my former and you know, former teammates, because I don't have a team right now uh, that I consider good friends and people that I want to see succeed in their lives. So I think that's one of the things I take the most pride in um, with where I am at 32 years old and, and what I've experienced is I have a lot to give other people. And that's part of that is ego, right? Because you want to help people and you want to feel like you did something to change your, their life in a, in a positive way. But it's something for me as we talk about life after baseball in ways that. Uh, you can keep yourself busy, ways that you can stay healthy, ways that could potentially be in some form a career for me when everything's said and done. Um, Being a mentor is something that I take a lot of pride in. Um, And and we have uh, three boys, including my nephew, that are, you know, surrounded by a community of people and the excitement and Memories that that brought back for me, and you know, Daddy wins baseball. Daddy wins soccer practice. Daddy, can we go back to Taekwondo? Like you just start to see that that tenacity, that desire to want to try and challenge himself to do new things. And, and my one year old is not far behind. Probably <laughs> further ahead than he was, which is kind of crazy. Just the determination. <laughs> I could I could care less if these kids are major league baseball players. I want them to be determined, resilient human beings that treat people with respect and, and try, um, day in and day out to find ways to make themselves better. And it's a lot to ask of a four-year-old kid or a three-year-old kid, but that's kind of what I see as the next 10, 15 years of my life. Um, whatever baseball and whatever business I get into, um, when everything's said and done, I have an incredible, uh, group of those three and then the extended community of friends and family that have kids where it's like i don't necessarily have to be their little league coach i don't you know there's a lot of interest and, and desire to be a coach and help shape form them as, as athletes and what they're going to deal with but more importantly to me it's the young men and the young women um that we're surrounded by and, and trying to be a, a positive influence every single day well
2: you know it- So much of what you said just rings so true with me. And I know, and and the interesting thing is, my son is 20, and that was the age that I was when I lost my dad. So I I think about that a lot these days. But on on a different kind of level here, um, and I don't know if you ever experienced this, but for years after my dad passed away, um, whenever I would have memories or think of him, I would be angry. You know, why did you have to leave me, you know, so soon, you know, why did you get involved with alcohol when, you know, I needed you for this and that, but as time go- has gone on, now you're 32, I'm 52, I, I, I can honestly say for the most part when I think of my dad and I think of the memories, I think of him hitting me fly balls when I was a kid, I think of him being at my, uh, my band's first gig and standing up in front of a, the entire bar yelling, that's my son, those are the things that I can take away from that now do you find are you having similar things that you know as you get older the memories you have of your mom they don't make you sad they don't make you angry you can almost you know smile and 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 be happy about the times you did have together yeah
1: i i I think when when anybody loses somebody um we've talked about this before there's an incredible amount of emotion that can for positive and negative and what i think is a tremendous amount of potential to do incredible things in this world but as you said as time goes on there are um you know i think about it with losing my brother-in-law because that's a little bit more fresh right Mm -hmm. that first year Mm -hmm. just so much emotion and then you get to that one year mark and now we're now we're reliving what happened one year ago like we're kind of going back down the road and um you know Fortunately, my sister is one of the best human beings and she's got an incredible support system. So uh, each other through this process, she's obviously experienced a lot more than I have um, going through this with her husband, but it's been for us kind of a similar path, right? Of what we went through with my mom. Um, and when you look at the early stages of, of losing somebody and all the confusion and all the, the different uh, emotions that get bottled up or buried down deep for for whatever reason, and then these things start to to poke their heads out. But I think that's where the support system and the structure, whether it's is talking to a professional or talking to a friend or a, an advisor or somebody that that knows you well enough and is probably better off more removed from the situation than say your brother. Um, but at the same time, you you look at all these different people as uh somebody who's going to make you better um same with the wellness tools that we talked about mm. and when it comes to my mom i think the hardest moments for me are knowing that she would have been such a joyous and, and incredibly proud grandmom mm-hmm. of her of her grandbabies yeah. um i i try and remind my sister and she does the same for me how proud she would be of us um, for what we've gone through, what we've experienced and what we've made of our lives and, and the people we are. Um, and say that all with the caution the of we are not flawless, we still make mistakes, we are still to do things that are just stupid, right? That's just human nature. But I there's definitely some peace that comes with knowing Um, You are doing things that are going to make them proud and that they are smiling down on you. And that's one thing I try and remind my nephew, and it's so hard when they're four years old for this to really make sense, uh, is is that dad is up there looking down. Mm -hmm. My mom, my grandma and grandpa are all up there with your dad. You know, Mm -hmm. we think of that and everybody has a different take on religion. Everybody has a different take on the afterlife and spirits and all that stuff. And whatever your whatever your path is, awesome but understanding how um, we can shift that perspective and and we can, we can take, like you said, take away some of the negative things. There's definitely still things that will, I don't want to use the term haunt because it doesn't keep me up at night. But when I think of certain situations that I was put in with my mom or, uh, you know, with the best friend that I had mentioned, and you you see things and you experience things, you hope that your kids will never have to, Mm -hmm. but, you also understand those are kind of what makes you the person that you are right so for me i have to be very careful with raising my kids right because they they're growing up with uh a lot more than i grew up with and i think there's you know as as parents maybe you guys can relate but you, you always want to give your kids what you didn't have but i've learned that you can go too far with that right yeah. and that you're, you're you're creating um, a situation where you're self-dependent you're creating a situation where they're spoiled. your are creating a situation where they get out on the river they're going to struggle, and hopefully they'll figure it out. That's something I try and keep into this perspective of what I went through with parents, what I've gone through in my personal life, in my, in my career. Um, there's a lot of lessons to be taken from. Um, there's a lot of things that I can do differently to, to save them some of the heartache and some of the trouble that I went through, but – I also think that it's important on some level that we all experience this in some way or another. And and hopefully it's not to that extreme, but hopefully you're able to use those moments in in time and in life to teach these kids how to maybe handle things better than you did, you know, instead of just always giving them the new toy or giving them the new opportunity to go and do something. It's, it's a matter of establishing that uh, that work ethic and that resiliency of what it's going to take to make it in this world, what it's going to take, make, you know, take to make it in this life.
0: You know, My uh, my kids are just a little bit further along the curve than yours are. Um, but it, it's stunning, you know, listening to your story. And, and um, you know, we lived uh, with my parents and my father passed away about, I guess, about three years ago. So my, my sons would have been four and five. Um, so maybe, or maybe five and six. Um, so we had to go through that grieving process. And, you know, just listening to your story now, it, it really kind of reinforces for me uh, the, the approach that we've always taken. And, and, and it's, it's making me look back at all the bad things that happened to my kids in their life. And, you know, my father passing away was one of them. And, you know, it, it was a process of, of being able to see the positive in it and being able to stand back with that perspective and look at all the amazing things that my dad brought to our lives. And he may not be around anymore, but all the people that he treated well during his life are. And everybody is sharing those positive memories, and you know it, what was a terrible thing um, has become a really strong, building, wonderful sharing experience for my family through a lot of hard work. I find that with my dad too. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, but even with the the the, the less serious things, um, you know, I I can't help but look now. Nine and ten are my kids are, and uh, you know, every really bad thing that's happened in their life. Um, has been used to make their lives a lot better going forward. And uh, the one baseball story I'll throw in, uh, my my oldest son, Liam, uh, plays AAA rep, and in his second year, he got hit in the face with a baseball. Wow. Big bloody nose everywhere. Um, it got so bad that we almost had to take him out of baseball. He was afraid to stand in the batter's box. He wouldn't play in the infield. And, and, and you know, we were... We were really at that pr- uh, crossroads. Are we gonna let? Are we gonna let this, you know, end his baseball for now and come back to it later, or are we gonna try and find a way to push through? And luckily, we were supported. We had amazing coaches on on our team. Um, you know, I was sick at the time, so I, I stopped my coaching. But luckily, the coaches that were there were far better than me. And and it took some time, but once he worked through that, he was a much stronger person and a much stronger player. And now he's you know, kind of the best dude on his team right now. And, and I don't think that would have happened without those bumps and without those hits. So I just wanted to thank you for your perspective. And that, that's really what I, I was kind of digging out of that is that, you know, we can't protect ourselves from being hurt at all times. And in fact, it is kind of what makes us better in the end, if we allow it to, and if we can make the right choices and the right yeah, steps I- forward.
1: I like I like to use uh, when I talk to baseball players. Usually, I, I'll say this: you know, the, the adversity that you face in your life can either be a crutch, which you're going to lean on and and use um, to just get by, or or find ways to make excuses because this happened to you. I'm going to make this choice instead of doing what I know is right or doing what I should be doing, or you can use it as a sword. And I think that. Uh, I look back at some of the best years of my career as a player. Uh, And we talk about that chip on my shoulder, Barry, there's, there's a couple of different chips, right? You got the chip from just being an angry child. Um, You got the chip from getting set down to AAA for the first time. Uh, You get the chip of, uh, of getting traded to another team um, and, and things not working out with the organization you hope to spend your whole career with, you know, you have those thoughts as a player, right? So I I like to use the the personal life experiences and look back in the year I had, uh, not this year, but the year before, um, the year after my mother passed away, getting into the big leagues at 20 years old. Like there are some incredible, incredible things that can happen when somebody experiences tragedy on any level adversity on any level. Right. And I think that uh, for me as a parent, I don't have all the answers um, on how to, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to make mistakes. My wife and I are, are very aware of that. Um, but I think there's, there is a foundation that we are trying to establish in our home. And I think it's tough for the mother, right? Some moms are better at it than others. Um, but they, they look at their little boys as their babies and, you know, they want to protect them from the world. And we're talking about a one and a four year old kid, right? So mm-hmm. we're not, we're not dealing with the craziest, the craziest stuff going on, but there is a point in time where you're either teaching them how to take care of themselves and how to exactly like you experienced with your son, um, how to get back on the horse, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you just have to jump back on the horse and go full speed, but like there's a process to getting him back to being comfortable in playing the game of baseball. And that could lead to him, you know, having a, an extended career, whether that's in high school or secondary school or college or whatever it is, professional, who knows? But the fact that we are instilling um, these things in, the, in our kids, right? And that's mm-hmm. our most important job as parents. Barry, you've gone you've gone down this road, so you're definitely oh, yeah. have more experience with it, right? And now you get I can't even imagine at 20 years old what the hell I'm going to be dealing with with these two kids, uh, and <laughs> the amount of in the amount of energy and the amount of emotion that they carry. Um, I, I expect and I hope that they're going to do great things in this world. What it means. Um, and whatever that means to them is what's most important. But I do think that uh, the more we can uh, teach them on how to deal with the adversity and and give them the resources and the tools, um, whether it's just teaching them how to breathe, right? I remember that was one of the first things I learned in uh, anger management, 10 deep breaths. And it sounds stupid when you say it out loud, but if you get your kid to sit down and take three or four deep breaths, there's a good chance they're going to be calmer than they were before those three or four deep breaths. So you start to figure out these little ways, right? And everybody has their opinion on spanking or, or timeout. And I'm not going to go into what I think is right and wrong, but I I do think there's a level of discipline, right? That you got to have. Um, but there's also that, that, that role that you got to play when, when somebody picks on your kid or somebody bullies your kid or, or somebody um, doesn't pick your kid for a team or, or whatever, like you're a parent, your instinct is to, is to defend and to protect your child. And I think that ultimately is our responsibility, but how you go about doing that is, is so important to the future of how that son or that daughter grows up to be a man or a woman in this world, how they start to relate uh adversity and and challenging times in their life and how they're going to respond and how they're going to deal with it and you know whether it's your kid getting hit in the face or your kid getting punched at school or getting bullied by kids I know that's a very hot topic um in 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 youth and even in you look at the way major league baseball has uh transitioned since 2008-2009 when we had we had some salty vets in that clubhouse and the culture was much different than baseball 20 years ago and even 20 years before that. Mm-hmm. And you look at the way um, each of us is, is, is wired and molded to, to walk into a situation where you might not be comfortable or you might not feel uh, accepted or you might not feel like uh, things are fair or the stack, the, the deck is stacked against you, but Again, that's those are the moments, right, that are going to bring us either to the, that next level of achievement or it's going to knock us back a couple of steps or a couple of days or a couple of weeks or a couple of years in our development as human beings. And, and I say that I still experience that like on some level mm-hmm. every every day, every week, every year of my life, of my career. Um, there's no perfect person in my opinion, but the more resiliency – uh, and the more discipline that we can create in, in our children, I think, is incredibly important for for their life skills and, and their success in life. And that's not a monetary thing. That's not a uh, how high in baseball or football or basketball did you go? Like, it's what kind of human being are you? Right. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, kind of in, in – in full circle, when I look at my career, there was definitely times where I was really successful on the field, but I was an absolute piece of shit, and I had um, some some twisted motives, and I had some uh, priorities and perspectives and that were off, uh, and that's a product of the environment uh, that I was in, things that I have experienced, and, and the things that were pro- to me right at 21, to 23 years old, um, where you look back on those moments and you're like you got a 20 year old kid. Think of some of the conversations <laughs> you've had in the last 365 days. About oh, yeah. What were you thinking? Right. And it's like, you look back to when you're 20 years old uh, and you got that scar above your left eye um, that nobody ever knew was, was result of, of too much alcohol and picking a fight with a teammate and getting your ass kicked. And that happened to me. And that's something that uh, happened to me after my first season, um, winning the MVP of the of the Appalachian league and coming into spring training. Uh, and getting checked by somebody who, who needed to check me. And it was something that I deserved. And instead of blaming him um, for kicking my ass, you know, I, I told the people in the organization, I deserved it. And that was something that was a moment in my career where it was like, you know what, you make your bed, you sleep in it. And if you want to be a piece of shit, you're going to get treated like a piece of shit. And, and if you treat people that way, you're going to be miserable because they're going to treat you that way too. So I, I know there's, a lot of different avenues that we've gone down here, but I think ultimately there's uh, there's always a way for every single one of us to get better. And I think there's uh, a lot of incredible tools and incredible resources. As I've mentioned before, you know, if I can ever help anybody um, along that personal journey for me, there's, there's a lot of pride that comes uh, with what I've experienced and how I've handled it. But I also know there's people out can help me too. Right. And And there's, there's always a new relationships that I've, I've, I'm making over, you know, years of different organizations and being exposed to different uh, coaches and trainers and things that I'm just so lucky. And I'm so fortunate that I have so many great people in my life um, that have helped mold me and help uh, keep me going on this path of, of being uh, a man in this world. That's married with two kids and has played professional baseball for half of his life. And you can get lost in that identity uh, as quickly as you can, um, drugs and alcohol and, and things that, uh, every single human being has to deal with or, or mental health. And I think it's, it's awesome that you guys have chosen your platform to, to discuss these types of things that, yeah, we, we've talked about them, you know, in the past. And, and again, I'm doing this interview. Isn't for me uh, to stay relevant, right. In the eyes of fans or, or, to, to get more Twitter followers or whatever. Cause it's a little different thought process for me than it was 10 or 15 years ago. But mm-hmm. I do think the more that we have these conversations, the more that we can draw from each other's experiences as a father or as a mother, um, as, as a human being that struggles, uh, with, with addiction or mental health and wellness. Um, there's, there's just so many things out there that don't get talked about. And I think as you look on a global scale, um, the more awareness that we can create around these things that might have a negative stigma, uh, allow us all to be a little bit more free and understand that, you know what? We got some shit that sucks, but the guy next to me, he's got some shit that he's dealing with, right? And we got to find a way collectively to come together um, as human beings, as teammates, as coworkers, of people that support humanity and trying to make this world a better place.
2: Well, I tell you what, it never fails Uh, after a conversation with you, Travis, and I can speak for Tom here too. uh, My eyes welled up, the hair on my arms stuck out, I got goosebumps, but I feel like I've learned a shitload. And when you're as old as I am, sometimes it's hard to realize, uh, but you've motivated me. You've made me feel like a better human being, a better father, and that just underscores what you just said. And before that, I, I say thank you so much for taking this time. And I, I'm going to throw this out at you now, Travis. If you don't already have somebody uh, working on this book idea with you, I'm in. I would love to help you write this book because this is an incredible story of yours. I think it it, it won't e- not just be good for you to be able to get it pen on paper, but to be able to have other people read this and learn from your life and your story. Man, oh, man, uh, you could you could help a lot of lives.
1: Yeah, and for me, I appreciate the kind words, Barry, and and I know um, we get put on this platform, right, as professional athletes, as Major League Baseball players, as first-round picks, all these titles and entitlement that comes with those titles. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to be around some incredible human beings in baseball and in life, Um, some people, like you said, you surround yourself with like-minded people that make you better, and you find – uh, and gravitate towards uh, the people that are going to put you in a position to be more successful in life, just business, not just personal, but just in general, being a better human being and, and having that accountability um, with your own discipline, having that accountability with a group of, of people that you trust. Uh, and I say all that, having experienced that, the good and the bad, and, and you realize that there's... For me personally, when we talk about writing a book, there's uh, there's a lot of different chapters in my life that I feel like, you know, the general person maybe won't give a shit about. But if you can touch one or two or five or ten or twenty or a couple hundred, you look at look at what um, some of these people via social media or via books. and I'm an avid book reader myself, um, especially things that I feel like are going to make me better, or podcasts or whatever. Um, I think the most important thing maybe people can take away from this is whether I write a book or not um, or ever do a podcast of my own or or do more podcasts like this. There's always information out there that can make you better. And we spend the majority of our lives on social media and we look at the things on social media in the last – six, 12, 18, 24 months has been pretty negative. And I'm not telling anybody you need to delete your social media account. You shouldn't have opinions. You shouldn't share your opinions. That's not my prerogative here. My prerogative is to say this. We have choices every single day when we wake up, what are we going to fill our calendar with? What are we going to fill our mind with and protecting our eyes and protecting our ears um, from the things that are just overdone, right? There's a level of awareness we need to have of what's going on in the world, but there's, the number one awareness has to be on ourselves and how we can um, effectively self-evaluate, honestly answer questions in the morning, and at the end of the day. Um, how did I do and how can I get better? And I think that's the thing that we don't realize as human beings is we all have that ability to self-evaluate. Mm-hmm. We all have that ability to sit down and say, you know what? I was a piece of shit to my wife this morning. I should never have talked to her like that. I should never have reacted in that situation. How can I prepare myself for that situation before it happens next time or my son or my my sister or my dad or whoever it is in your life that you seem to be having these these struggles with? And even personally, where it's like, hey, I know if I can get two or three or four things done for myself, um, not in a selfish way of uh, I only care about myself, but in a selfish way that I I care so much about myself because I know how much impact that's going to have on other people. Um, I think that for me, if I, if I were to ever go down that path of writing a book is, is just having, um, that platform to be able to share some of my stories, some of which have been talked about, some of which haven't been talked about publicly, uh, just so people understand, man, like the, the guy in the uniform, the, the 21, 20, 21 year old kid, uh, the first round pick that stood in front of his locker with 25, 30 reporters after every single game win or lose getting sent down, getting called up, like the public perception of us professional athletes is that we are professional athletes and we play a sport and we're going to just we're entertainers and that's all true, but we're all human beings too. And I think the uh, sports and media at certain times has done a really good job of portraying athletes as human beings because we are not any different than you guys in the way that we think and the way that we're wired in terms of uh, fight or flight, right? That's all engraved in all of us, but it's a matter of developing the skill set and the tools and, and the support system around you to put yourself in the best position to go out there and succeed at what you want to do. And I think that's something everybody can relate to on some level uh, and realize that we all have that ability inside of us to sit down and find a way to, to fucking do it better, right? If we're struggling and we're, we're, we're spinning our wheels and we're stuck in a rut and we're digging ourselves deeper. That's us digging ourselves deeper. The only way we're going to get out is taking that responsibility and that ownership on knowing uh, the tools and resources that are available to us and also um, having that support around us and surrounding yourself with the right people.
2: Travis, again, thank you so much for the time. Uh, It is always a a great conversation when we have you on. Stay well, enjoy your family, uh, enjoy every day and we'll have to do this again soon and let me know when you want to start working on this book
1: (laughs) yeah we'll we'll circle back on that uh as always guys i appreciate it i love i love what you guys are are doing here and, and the topics that you guys are touching on and again at 32 years old uh i feel very fortunate and very blessed to have a platform like this and other platforms um to be able to talk about things that or not you oh man you had a year you hit 15 or 20 runs and how much money you're going to make next year it's like no man we're all we're all grinders here somewhere or another it's just how deep are you willing to dig to go to get to where you want to go